Just a quick content warning before we get started. I'm sure you can tell by the title of this episode, but we will be discussing mental health in depth, including discussions of depression and a mention of suicide. Remember that help is available both within the GW community, through the Colonial Health Center, and some of the organizations I'll be speaking with on this episode, along with the numerous resources beyond the university. Reach out if you're struggling or just need someone to talk to. From the GW Hatchet, this is Alec Rich, and welcome back to the paper's weekly news podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It. It's no surprise that the pandemic has taken a toll on the stress, anxiety, and loneliness felt by people around the world, and college students are no exception to that. At GW, the Colonial Health Center has continued counseling and psychological services, otherwise known as CAPS, through telemedicine this semester. My therapist is on call 24-7, but their primary business hours are Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5 o'clock p.m., and Saturday through Sunday from 12 o'clock p.m. to 4 p.m. The Colonial Health Center also has a COVID-19 self-help and resource toolkit available at healthcenter.gwu.edu slash self-help. This episode is broken down into two parts. I'll first be speaking with experts in mental health and mental health research involving college students, followed by interviews with two GW student organizations which focus on mental health, GW Listens and GW Capital Peers. That being said, my first guest is Dr. Crystal Lewis, who is a clinical psychologist at the National Institute of Mental Health, where she specializes in pediatric anxiety and works with the section on development and effective neuroscience. Lewis said that depression and anxiety have risen in college students in recent years, feelings that the pandemic and social unrest have only accelerated. She said outside of GW, resources are available at the National Institute of Mental Health website on anxiety and depression, and those resources are also available on the CDC's website and at the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration website. Lewis gave some tips on navigating this time as well, which is what you'll hear first. Dr. Lewis, thanks so much for joining me. Yes, I'm happy to be here this morning. So for students who are facing mental health conditions right now, you know, or simply feeling the effects of the pandemic and isolation, what are some of the resources available to them outside of GW, and what are some tips that you might have for navigating this time? So it's very likely that students are feeling quite overwhelmed with the academic pressures of um, keeping up in their classes right now and managing their social-emotional health. So I would say it's very important for students to engage in self-care and really take time to de-stress. So this can mean many things. We know self-care is anything that actively helps someone to protect their mental and emotional well-being. And so it could look different for each student. But this might look like um, spending time outdoors, going on a hike, or meeting up with a friend and taking a walk. It can mean taking time to do an enjoyable activity like baking or watching a movie or reading a book, but anything that really helps someone to um, reduce stress and focus on themselves. So that can be important when a lot of times students are so focused on completing work and just getting things done throughout the day that they're not taking time to do this. Um, Another important thing for students to do is set boundaries. And this is um, in the home environment, just as well as for themselves. And so what I mean by that is students should set boundaries regarding the consumption of news and the use of social media. So they should pay attention to how their mood changes when they're watching the news or spending significant time on social media. After a while, it can feel a bit draining to constantly take in all this information that tends to be negative online about um, just the current world events, right? 
And so for students, um, I say that it's important to change how you're engaging when you are on social media. So this might mean um, focusing on what you're doing as opposed to the time that you're doing it. And so it might mean, uh, what, what I mean by that is quality over quantity, right? And so actively using social media. So if you are on, a, on an app, posting something on Twitter or um, engaging with someone as opposed to just passively scrolling when you're on social media. So changing the use of social media is important. Um, setting boundaries around news consumption and then also setting boundaries around um, uh, family members, right? So for students who are in the home environment, it's helpful to have a set schedule for when they'll complete work so they're not pulled into family activities or household duties at times when they should be focusing on their work or need to be focusing on their work or going to class. So, so you mentioned uh, academic success as well. So what can a school like GW do in addition to ensuring you know, our psychological and counseling services remain up and running to help students be successful this semester remotely? Right. So I think in general, universities have a challenge right now um, in general. And when focusing on mental health, we know that mental health is important at all times. So I would say it's great for faculty and staff to brainstorm on ways to make services more accessible and, and desirable for students who need it. So in addition to offering um, counseling services, universities should have updated web pages and communication with students that offers additional opportunities or um, options for therapy if need be. So this might be through telehealth, um, they, it might be through posting community providers or any virtual support groups that they can have on campus um, or virtually. Some kids might not feel comfortable to physically go onto campus, not just due to COVID, but just in general. And so um, students definitely need alternate options. And so there are apps for online therapy that students can use as well. So I think for the university, it's important just to make these um, options um, aware, make students aware of these options that they have. Um, faculty should work to be flexible in their expectations for student participation in their classes and work completion. I think virtual classes are an adjustment for some students and for those students who may have social anxiety or other mental health difficulties, participating in virtual classes, communicating with professors, and just being proactive in general can be difficult. And so student resource centers can um, send out extra communications to students that offer support, which might include virtual academic intervention sessions to help students plan and organize their work, as well as help them with specific topics for their classes. So I think it's just important for universities to keep in mind that many students will struggle with attention to the virtual classes in that format, right? And so um, just putting out information to help students stay organized and giving them um, guides on what they can do, just tips to help them success, succeed in these virtual classes could be helpful. And lastly, I want to discuss, there's a, a study from the spring by the Healthy Minds Network, which is a subsidiary of the University of Michigan. And I'm going to be speaking to one of the authors of that study in later on in the podcast. But one of the areas that it focused on uh, was that it showed that around 59% of student respondents um, in that study witnessed race or ethnicity-based discrimination as a result of the pandemic, and around 5.5% reported experiencing discrimination directly. So you know, what is the significance of that in your mind, and how do you think the campus community can combat that through the support of students of color and those of different ethnicities? 
This is a very important, um, I would say, necessary question. These past few months have been heavy for most of us. And so individuals have been discriminated against due to the pandemic um, and the promoted origins of the COVID-19 virus. Unfortunately, our leadership hasn't done the best job at communicating with the general public and sharing accurate information, as often happens with media. Um, and racial discrimination has, has become overt and on some level encouraged as a result, more people seem to be reporting negative experiences. So I think um, college campuses can help to combat xenophobia and racism and discrimination on campus by having a no tolerance policy and trying to promote an inclusive environment. We know that racism clearly is not a new phenomenon, but colleges need to promote inclusivity by um, providing education and making all groups feel welcomed. So there are little things that can be done to really just start that process and show that efforts going in to that. And that could look like um, creating task forces developed on campus and even within departments to review policies and make sure that there are that the policies are fair and equitable across groups. And, um, you know, something that is important to highlight is using a colorblind approach to address students' educational health needs um, during this time doesn't acknowledge the existing racial disparities. And so universities really ask, well, what resources are needed to support students of color, faculty, to help them succeed in these current times? Um, racial inequities mean certain groups have more challenges or have had more challenges during COVID-19 pandemic and the racial injustices that are occurring have really highlighted these challenges in the past few months. And so I think it's extremely important that um, campuses show their support to students of color and those that have been affected by the pandemic and the racial unrest in the country. Dr. Lewis, thanks so much. So I cited that Healthy Minds Network study in my last question to Dr. Lewis. The Healthy Minds Network is a research group based at the University of Michigan and Boston University, which brings together experts to conduct research on the mental health of young people. This spring after the pandemic began, in collaboration with the National College Health Association, the Healthy Minds Network conducted a massive study surveying the impact of the pandemic on college student well-being. Peter Seglark, who is a project manager and research specialist with the Healthy Minds Network, helped work on and oversee that study, and he began our interview by explaining its findings. Peter, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Alec. Happy to be here. So first, can you just tell me a little bit about the study that you conducted and some of the biggest findings from it, you know, particularly with regards to depression and the pandemic's effect on student academic performance? Um, so during the period when, of the onset of the pandemic between March and May of 2020, we had 14 schools between the two organizations participate in the study, um, representing a diverse group of institutions across the country. And we found, not surprisingly, that we saw rates of depression go up. And with that, we also saw um, reported academic distress go up. Um, students, more students reporting than before that they felt that their mental health issues were negatively impacting their academic performance. So what this tells us is it gives us a picture that I'm sure many students would tell you from their own personal experience that the onset of this pandemic and all the changes that came with it, both in their academic but also their personal lives, made it much more difficult to cope 
with the negative experiences they were having as well as just trying to get their work done for school. And through some of those effects that you mentioned, you know, the study makes a strong case for continuing to invest in programs that support student mental health, um, given that many of them struggled with access to that as well during the spring. So, you know, universities are still struggling financially, and GW is no exception to that. So how can a university like GW make mental health a priority as it continues to navigate this budgetary shortfall from the pandemic? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I think something to remember is that even before the pandemic, we were increasingly recognizing that mental health, emotional well-being among students, especially students on college campuses, where for, for many young adults, this is the first time they're away from their home um, ever <laughs> for a sustained amount of time. Um, mental health and emotional well-being among this population is complex. And it has always needed complex solutions. It's needed a systematic framework of many different programs and tools put in place on any campus to address it. I feel the pandemic has really only um, brought that to the forefront of the discussion is recognizing just how complex it is. Students navigate so many different spaces throughout their lives, academically, professionally, socially, and beyond. And you take your mind with you everywhere you go. You take your mind with you in every ass and every identity you fill in your life. So your mental health is going to um, impact your interactions in each of those spheres and be impacted by that. So schools, um, regardless of what their, their budget is, I think uh, need to get really creative in terms of thinking about Um, Not only what do they provide on campus, but also what groups are they engaging with? Um, So our colleagues at the Steve Fund talk a lot about, you know, um, schools ability to engage in um, cultural groups and um, even um, other community groups such as spiritual groups, religious groups, um, other groups that students might volunteer with in order to both um, find partners outside of the campus where they can be promoting student well-being, um, but also engage students in those groups that are salient to their identity through which we know in our research um, students find resiliency in. You know, a a lot of students, um, primarily students that can be our most vulnerable, so students of color, um, students from uh, immigrant backgrounds, um, or students from religious minority backgrounds, sexual and gender minority backgrounds, um, while they are vulnerable to, you know, increased rates of discrimination, um, feeling feeling isolation or or othering on campus, um, they can also find a lot of strength and resilience um, through finding groups related to their identity. Campuses can play into that, um, and that that can be a, a little or no cost solution. Just collaborating with groups that are already there, asking them what they're doing, how can they coordinate events, help spread the word for students to get together. Now transitioning to the student side, the first GW mental health-based organization I spoke to was GW Listens, and specifically its co-directors, seniors Astor Talman and Alexa Vera. The chat hotline is available to students Sunday through Thursday from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern time, which students can reach at go.gw.edu slash GWListens. The conversation starts with Alexa explaining the service. All right. Thank you to you both for being here. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. 
So what is GW Listens for those who might not know about it? Uh, well, G- GW Listens is a peer support mental health hotline for the GW community. Um, it's an entirely student-driven um, you know, service that allows like, you know, graduate students or undergrad students or anyone like to reach out and talk to us if they have any like, you know, like, you know, if they need to talk about anything or need to vent about any like issues or struggles they've, they've been facing. Um, we're all trained by um, like CAPS counselors, you know, so we have a, um, we have like a thorough background and knowledge on how to like handle these calls and like our messages, you know. Um, and right now we are offering like our texting and chat services um, Sunday through Thursday, which is great. We expanded our hours a bit. And yeah, we're just here to like, you know, help. And we're also completely anonymous, so we don't release the names of our volunteers. And then when students chat or call in, we don't collect their names or anything about them. Um, And just kind of as some history, we were kind of founded because there were a couple of uh, suicides, unfortunately, on the Mount Vernon campus in 2014. So the SA kind of decided that they wanted to have more mental health support. And the program kind of launched back in 2017. And we've just been expanding ever since then. And, you know, how do you think GW Listens fills an important role in the lives of students you know, who might be feeling isolated and lonely at this time, especially working remotely? I definitely think that it's such a vital resource to have during this time. Like, since people are, like, not usually on, like, on campus right now and we're separated from, like, our college friends and our, like, general, like, support that we had at school, like, people are bound to feel, like, a lot more distant and lonely and it's hard to like sometimes get that support when you're at home or wherever you are. So having our service like available for people like to call it like at night, you know, when like most like mental health, like, you know, issues like arise, like even more so is like just great to have. And like we are here to like support them and just like talk to them about like anything. You don't need to be in like like a crisis or having a panic attack to reach out like it's literally for anyone who feels the need that they just need to talk to someone about anything. And we also feel like it's especially important to have at GW just because in normal times we're in the middle of a big city. There's always a lot going on. Students tend to have multiple jobs, internships, and that kind of thing. So it's just good to have extra mental health options. Uh, Astor, you, you mentioned in terms of that stigma. You know, how do you think we can address that continue, that stigma as a community as with regards to mental health? Um, I think... Just continuing to raise awareness and dispel a lot of those myths that people, unfortunately, still believe um, and making sure that people are aware of the resources that are available on on campus, like not just CAPS, but also GW Listens or other support groups that are available so people know that there are a lot of people who are going through these situations. Thank you to you both. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Lastly, I spoke with Sophie Hirschfield who is president of the GW-based peer education program, Capital Peers. We began with Sophie explaining the program and its work. All right, Sophie, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. So first, just tell me a little bit about Capital Peers and its objectives for those who aren't familiar. Yeah, sure. Um, So just really briefly, 
Um, we are a group of nationally certified peer educators um, who work with the Division for Student Affairs in order to provide health promotion and education to the GW student body. So our vision is to be a preeminent group of student leaders who influence and inspire GW students uh, to prioritize health and wellness within themselves as well as uh, within the GW student community. Um, and the Capital Peers are a diverse group of students whose mission is to educate, promote, and inspire GW students to live healthy lives. And also, our organization is divided into four task forces, each focused on engaging with a different health topic. So right now, our task forces are sexual health and healthy relationships, nutrition and body image, substance use and education, and then we also have stress management and emotional well-being. Yeah, and I mean, on, on those fronts, you know, what is Capital Peers doing this semester as part of its outreach and programming to work with members of the GW community? Yeah, so this semester, we recently launched um, a new Instagram, shameless plug, it's at GW Capital Peers, <laughs> um, but we launched this in order to continue engaging with the student body, even in this virtual environment. Uh, so our, on our Instagram, we are trying to provide an abundance of health resources, both resources from GW and beyond uh, for students to be able to utilize wherever they are right now. Um, and also we are holding at least one virtual event each week in order to keep students engaged and continue with our mission of inspiring students to prioritize health and wellness. Um, so some of these events we have been hosting um, Events kind of like uh, GW Late Night. We've been doing virtual game nights. Um, last week, we just had a Yoga Under the Stars event. So it's definitely different than in person, um, but we hope with the Instagram that we're still able to reach um, reach the GW student population. Yeah, and I mean, lastly, you know, what message does Capital Peers have you know, for students who might be dealing with some kind of mental health condition during the pandemic or you know, just someone who needs support that they, you know, normally might get on campus, but are now not getting given that they're working remotely. Yeah. So we want to really emphasize to everybody, um, all GW students, that you are most definitely not alone. Um, like I said before, the world is absolutely crazy right now. Um, and we as students are trying to balance so many different things that it's very, very easy to become overwhelmed and stressed and anxious. Um, so definitely don't be afraid to reach out for help whether this just be from a friend um, or a family member who you can talk to. GW also has some really great health resources that you can utilize um, by going to the Health Center's website, which is healthcenter.gwu.edu. Um, and also we as Capital Peers want to be there as a resource for everyone uh, during this time. So like I said, you know, be sure to check out our Instagram um, for some really great mental health resources and beyond. Um, and our DMs are always open if anyone ever has um, any questions or concerns. Uh, we definitely just want to be um, as there as we possibly can for students during these uh, crazy and challenging times. Please remember to reach out for help if you need it, in whatever form that takes, and continue to take care of yourselves as we navigate the pandemic and the times we're currently living through. Thank you to all of our guests for shining a light on this important subject. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Alec Rich and is produced by Gwen Wheeler.